Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. I'm Imogen Watson, Working Inspiration Editor at Campaign. Later in today's podcast, we'll revisit a panel from TV The Next Episode Summit, where campaign editor Maisie McCabe spoke to commercial leaders from Sky Media, Channel 4 and ITV about the future of TV advertising. But here first to discuss some industry news, I'm joined by campaign reporter Shauna Lewis, who celebrated her 25th birthday yesterday. <laughs> I didn't know we were <laughs> Happy birthday, Shauna. It's time to get this frontal lobes developing. I mean, hopefully. Did you have a good birthday? I had an excellent birthday. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> I mean, it's shocking your age. I, I, you seem much older and you're also yeah, younger. I'm so wise. <laughs> so wise. <laughs> um, you've been following some major people moves in the media industry. So why don't we kick off? What's, what's been going down at OMD? Um, so what's been going down? Um, <laughs> what's um, going up? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so at OMD, um, there's been a lot of a shuffling. Laura Fenton, who was the chief executive OMD UK um, has moved up to like group level. So she's now going to be chief executive of OMG UK. So mm. OMD UK. So many is, letters. Yeah, I know. So, so one thing about this industry, <laughs> there's going to be some letters. EMEA, APAC, lots of letters involved. So yeah, she's moved from OMD UK to um, Omnicom Media Group. Nice. Um, so that means she'll sit over OMD, MD, OMD, PhD and Heart Big and job. science, yeah, huge. Yeah. Um, and then Dan Clay's has moved up to be he that he, that was his previous role, and he's moved up to be chief exec of Omnicom Media Group EMEA. So that leaves OMD UK chief exec vacant. She's done some really good work there. So like they were named Ages in the Year at the Media Week Awards, mm. um, which I remember her telling me afterwards they've like been shortlisted for for like. Oh, okay, so that Look, was the big So many big years, years, so okay. it was like, finally, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they've won loads of business, like Compare the Market and Lidl, really big accounts. And she's, from what I understand, she's created a really good culture as well. So mm. she's done like a really good job and seems like a great move. And also it's really nice to see a woman move up to group level because yeah. I think although at um, agency level, we've, if not, women have not maybe smashed the glass ceiling, but maybe touched it, mm-hmm. um, group level is still remains like quite male dominated mm. um we like to see it we, we do love to see it yeah. and there's been some other appointments there so um omd emir's appointed alexandria terrier as a uh, agency partner she joins from zenith and kate hardiman joins from carrot as capability partner for strategy and planning but yeah that leaves the omd uk role vacant Sweet. And there are quite a few vacant, like, chief exec roles. Meanwhile, James Chorlin has left IPG Media Brands Initiative. Yeah, so he's left his role um, as chief exec of Initiative. He'll begin a ro- new role in 2024, but very nobly is dedicating the rest of his year to the People's Recovery Project, uh, which what helps people experiencing homelessness and addiction oh. finding their way to, like, to find their way so to recovery. So is like, gardening leave? Yeah, 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 I didn't yeah. know you could do something like that. I know. I think I was like, oh, that's God, he makes the rest of us look bad. I know, I just sit on my ass. <laughs> yeah. um, so, um, very noble way to spend yeah. your gardening leave. <laughs> maybe maybe some other execs will be pushed to mm. like do something. No, I've <laughs> never heard of that. No, so me neither. Really cool. um, but yeah, they, under his leadership, they won like a number of clients. So Nike, like the the billion dollar like media account, which is obviously huge. They split that with another agency and like... Uh, NatWest and Booper. So again, another good job 
Um, mm-hmm. but up for offer up, up for offer <laughs> she's not taking commissions um, yeah. Um, but yeah that role's also been left vacant mm. and to round off the people moves who's rejoined Essence Media Comics as UK chief executive so uh, Claire Chapman has rejoined Essence Media Comics after departing Cara UK earlier this year as chief exec it's quite an unexpected departure the agency was doing really well but there's some, been some reshuffling uh, there as well um, but you know while she was there, Cara won uh, Direct Line, Molson Cores, Virgin Red, and they also retained Vodafone. So they mm. were on like a, a good mm-hmm. a good sprint. Um, so I'm sure Essence Media Comics will be happy to see her back. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, yeah, um, she clearly knows, clearly knows and, uh, what she's doing. And is that doing. role vacant? That role is also <laughs> vacant, if anyone is interested. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, so she'll be replacing Ryan Stora, who is currently... Oh, very long job title. Currently, UK Chief Executive, Essence Mediacom X, and Global Chief Media Solutions Officer, Essence Mediacom. And he's now been promoted to Chief Executive of Group M's Performance Marketing Division, Nexus, EMEA, wow. and the it's UK. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> doesn't fit on one line. No. Um, so, yeah, Cara, Initiative, uh, and OMD UK. <laughs> uh, A lot Chief of moves going around. <laughs> All vacant, so get yeah. your applications in. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure on the deadlines, but I'm sure they'll they'll take late deadlines. Um, but yeah, we'll be watching as I'm sure there'll be some some chess moves going on yeah, in the next few months or whatever. While I have you, um, we've recently published a feature on the upward talent drain. Um, we've uncovered there's a, an industry-wide trend where agencies are filling senior roles by promoting younger employees internally um, and in order to reduce salary burdens, which ultimately leads to degenerization of agency skill sets. Um, you didn't write it, but the feature was your idea? It was my idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, just so, didn't bother to write just it. Just couldn't be bothered writing it. I was like, oh, someone else can do that. Um, I, I like your I like your role. <laughs> we just could do that with everything. Yeah, um, yeah I got it from uh, just talking to you it was mostly that independent agency leaders who kind of just said that with like clients that they were pitching for, um, they were dissatisfied with like their current like network. Mm. Um, so it seems to be a problem at network agencies um, with their current like network agencies because, you know, they'd see this certain team during the pitch process. And then once they got down, got down to business, <laughs> and once they um, started the work, <laughs> um, then they, it was, you know, it was a more junior team, um, you know that have been promoted and mm. all that kind of thing um so yeah the idea came from that so where are these senior leaders going um there's a variety of reasons so a lot of them take jobs in consultancy private equity or they lead like a they have like a portfolio um and others like for the article said that agencies don't exactly make it attractive to stay mm. you know you're expected to do a lot more with expanding like amounts of work and reduce fees for that work mm-hmm. and you just touched on it but why is this an issue well I think yeah like I said I think you know clients are dissatisfied with their two junior teams um like in the piece like uh consultant Kevin Chester said that clients are turning to consultancies for the high level expertise they require and you know um agencies aren't cheap <laughs> um so then you're adding that extra expense on top of that it's not exactly mm. good value for money should we mm. say um so it nabs like the well-being charity says that you know a lack of support for inexperienced candidates like the people um that have been prematurely promoted has a mm. wider impact on the team and you know also that mental health challenges are on the rise in the industry mm. so what can be done to to retain the senior talent um 
it seemed quite obvious when you put it like this, but, you know, like Kevin Chester says uh, in the piece, like pay decent wages, create conditions that are motivating and interesting and invest proper money in learning. Mm. Make it nice, essentially. It's great that you've flagged the issue and hopefully people (laughs) can get to work with paying decent wages. Um, But It'd be good, wouldn't it? Thank you, Shauna, (laughs) for taking the time to talk me through the news this week. Next up in the campaign podcast, we revisit a panel from TV, the next episode, a summit that took place on the 14th of September in partnership with Trade Desk, which explored what's coming up next in the world of TV. In a panel titled Broadcasters Bear All, What We Need to Thrive in 2024 and Beyond, Brett Muller, uh, Managing Director of Sky Media, Verka Dujavik, Chief Revenue Officer of Channel 4, and Kelly Williams, Managing Director Commercial at ITV, talked to Maisie McCabe, Editor of Campaign, about what's working well for broadcasters right now with TV advertising, touching on Origin, ISBA's initiative to measure campaign reach across media. Over to them. So thanks very much. I hope everyone's suitably um, refreshed and had some cake. Um, it's always nice. Um, so I'm pleased to be back for this session where we're putting the broadcasters in the spotlight. We heard the advertiser perspective this morning on what brands want for their TV investments to thrive. And now it's the broadcasters' turn to speak to you. Um, so I'm really grateful to be um, joined by the three leading TV salespeople in the country. Yeah, so we've got yep. Brett, Veritza and Kelly. So we've got half an hour to kind of chat through things from their perspective. And again, we'll take some questions on Slido and also in the room. So I guess we start on a high, which maybe we'll end at as well. So what's working well um, for TV broadcasts at the moment, Kelly? Um, well, look, I, I, if, I, if, I, if it's all right, I wouldn't mind just starting with the word broadcaster. Because we've been Absolutely. used a lot today. We keep getting called broadcasters, but I, I don't think we are broadcasters. I think we're television businesses, and broadcasting is a part of what we do. But we're all we're all uh, fairly major streamers now. Uh, you know, we're a producer as well, and we're also making a lot of content for social media. So we're 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 doing a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, so I think, look, the, the first thing I think that's going well, I guess, is is the growth of streaming uh, for us mm. all the broadcasters? You know, we, we you know we've launched ITVX earlier on in the year. We've got four streaming. You know, within Sky, you've got lots wow. of streaming properties. You know, <laughs> with, with particularly from a technolo- yeah. technology point of view, you know, Sky Glass, Sky Stream, you know, Now TV and Sky Go. So this, it's a big, big part of all of our businesses um, mm. going forward. Um, and so that has allowed us, I think, as, as broadcasters, to just really expand what we can offer advertisers. Um, you know, I've sold TV for, for over 30 years and, and historically TV was all about, you know, big, mass, simultaneous reach, brand safe, trusted environment. Well, that was our, that was the key proposition that we had. That remains, but we also have many other propositions that we mm. are taking to market. You know, we have a big, big addressable television business. You know, we've all, we're all, we all have very big data sets now. We have 37 million registered users on, on ITVX. So we're we're building much more sophisticated, data-driven uh, propositions. We are also innovating digitally. We're, we're building lots of different innovative ad solutions. I think creatively, we're doing a lot more. We're getting brands much more integrated mm-hmm. into our content. Um, and we're also starting to invest heavily in what we're calling outcomes, You know that measurement piece. Uh, it's been talked about a little bit, but, but really starting to measure not just the effectiveness of TV, but the effect TV has on other media that advertisers buy. So I think look, that's that's the exciting bit about TV advertising. I think it's the bit that gets missed. And then finally, I think, again, it's been mentioned a couple of times today, 
But look, we're deflating. You know, we're really, really good value. You know, we, you know, post-COVID, um, you know, we saw inflation in the TV market and it was headline news and advertisers were up in arms about it. We've been deflating for a year and no one's written about it. Um, and so we are really, really good value um, uh, for advertisers. So I think, as I said, I think it's a really exciting time to be in TV. Yeah. Scene is set beautifully there by Kelly, but there we all have challenges regardless of where we are. So is there any you'd like to kind of, I guess, develop, you know, speak about now, Brett? Sure. I mean, I think, um, look, some of these will be no surprise, but I think the first one in the macro, I sort of think about the sort of macro one is obviously the consumer environment is tough. Um, you know, as you know, Sky is not only an ad sales house, but also a consumer business as well. Um, and I sort of think about it in two ways. You know, the first challenge is you know the more short term. So at the moment, a lot of you know, I, I'm fairly new to the ad sales business, but I've also been a marketeer with a, a marketing budget, um, running uh, subscription sales at Sky, and I've also been a CFO as part of our Italian business for a while. So I, I sort of know all the different sort of pieces of so the puzzle. You know how to sell to the people you need. Yeah, to exactly. And I know what it's like when you have to go and uh, get your budget signed off as well. So I think at the moment, for a lot of businesses, um, you know, especially those who are sort of uh, more consumer facing, you know, it's a, it's a tough time. Um, you know, CFOs are trying to balance the books and, and marketing costs are a big part of, of many organizations. And um, those will come under some pressure. But we also know through a lot of the Thinkbox research that, you know, any organization that pulls back heavily on marketing right now, it's, it's a bit of a sort of noose around your neck and not a good idea. But, but businesses are under pressure. And obviously, we as broadcasters and sales houses see that. The other sort of bit about the economy is more the sort of longer term. So um, the, the sort of one thing we can probably all agree on in this room is it's uncertain trying to call next year. Um, you know, we do everything we can to try and sort of model it out. But once again, as an ex-CFO, the way some businesses will be thinking about their budgets into next year is um, the revenue line or the top line is uncertain. So the only way to get some certainty or some sort of confidence about their hitting their, their profit targets is they will be quite tough on costs. Yeah. Um, so, so the challenge, you know, we've got is to help our clients, um, you know, talk to their CFOs about the benefits of, of TV advertising. I think the other sort of um, sort of challenge or, or pain point for us as, as broadcasters is fragmentation of viewing. So once again, I don't think that's any great surprise to people in the room. I think Kelly put it really well at the start is we aren't just broadcasters. We're not just linear TV, which we often you know get referred to. Um, we have um, on-demand services. We've got digital services. We, you know, Sky has AdSmart. Um, you know, we've now got sort of you know ITVX and all four. So we are a broader business, and you know, our job as content providers is to make sure consumers, no matter where they want to watch, we're providing the content and, and, and keeping them. I think the sort of final piece, once again, just to touch on Kelly's point as well, is the challenge we face is reminding the market of that. We'll probably talk about it a bit later on about sort of the myths around TV. It's not in demise and we, we innovate. You know, Sky's been around for sort of three decades. I've been around for two of those. And innovation is the heart of what we do. And, and, and Kelly and Brits talk about as well for Channel 4 and ITV. The innovation is, is always key. So, Ritz, I guess, what would you like if you were sort of one thing message you'd like to give to advertisers about the changing face of TV advertising? I think it is actually the fact that when you stand back, you know, just hearing what Kelly said and what Brett has highlighted, we now have a way of working with advertisers to meet the needs of every single campaign brief in reality. So if you want to launch a new product and you want mass reach, we can do that. If you want a mass precision piece where you want to put in big, broad audiences, but actually with some elements of targeting, we can do that. If you want a highly targeted, very niche, small audience, we can pretty much do that. 
You want to put your data next to Dunhumby data, next to Nectar data, next to Boots data, you can do that. If you want to take cues from you know, the actual content, whether that be through sponsorship, whether you want affinity through a brand partnership, whether you want to do some branded content, all of those things are things that we can do. If you want to buy some social extensions, we can all do that for you as well. So increasingly, actually, of course, the challenge with that for us is that that could lead to a massive amount of complexity in the minds of both advertisers and agencies. Yeah, where do you start? So, of course, so it's incumbent, of course, on us to try and bring clarity to that and to make it clear. But I think it's really important that we also work very closely with our agency partners because within all of that, there is the golden thread of how do you want your brand to be associated with absolutely top-notch content that still draws audiences in really big numbers? And there are loads of creative, interesting ways, and it no longer just requires massive budgets. So there's a whole load of, um, I guess, both sort of um, clarifying that we need to do, obviously good selling that we need to do, but equally working much more closely with both agencies and advertisers to really understand what the objectives of a particular campaign are and actually which parts of our, you know, of our ecosystems actually meet the needs of that. So I think there's actually a wealth of opportunity. And I think it's perhaps about people taking a step back and thinking a bit differently about what we can help with. Is that the main thing you'd like them to do differently? Well, I think there's that. I think the other thing that really strikes me, and actually you sort of, you hear it a little bit in some of the conversations today, is I think from an agency perspective, I think the really important thing that I think I really would like them to do differently is to stand back. Speaking as someone who used to run that. Exactly, having worked on the agency side. Um, So... Standing back and thinking about audiences again properly. So everyone, obviously, increasingly seems to be an audience of one. So I don't watch linear TV or I watch TV like this or I don't watch stuff on Sky. I watch it on Amazon, whatever it might be. Everyone obviously has their own individual consumption patterns now. And I think standing back and understanding the reality of what audiences are doing that are not in your household is ever more important. And of course, this is absolutely the fundamentals of good planning. But really, it's about a call to arms to return to understanding and empathy for audiences, behaviors, viewing behaviors, and all of the insight that we can help bring to bear on that. I think from an advertiser perspective, the the big change of something to do differently or to consider differently is to measure what matters and not what can be counted. And that's in two different dimensions. I would say, firstly, that's within the world of TV. How are you judging your agency's performance? How are you looking at your audit process? Are all of those measures things that actually bring value to you in today's environment? It's an open question. And the second thing is... Sounds like it could be a whole other panel. (laughs) Exactly, it's a whole other panel. (laughs) And secondly, actually, again, we've touched on it a few times today, thinking about how do you measure outcomes and assisted plays, if you like, of different channels, what the interplay of different channels is in producing the ideal sort of outcomes. Because we know that, obviously, TV produces really good short-term and long-term results, but it can also lower the price points of your auction. It can do all sorts of other things. And all the outcomes work the ITV is starting to do, but we're also starting to work on uh, across the board. All of these intermediate pieces are really important things. And if people are only measuring either on last click or on purely sort of attribution-driven measurement, you will miss the bigger picture. Mm. One of the things I'm noticing more and more is, is kind of misinformation or just poor research. I don't know whether it's been mentioned here before, but oh, the, the Kantar study, or should we call it the discredited Kantar study? I get Fiverr from Lindsay for saying that. Um, that came out. That came out last week, which which was kind of a survey of 800 marketeers globally, which could mean eight marketeers in the UK came up with this headline of you know, marketeers, CMOs fall out of love with TV. 
the fact that a well, the fact that they're all here probably is yeah, you know, the, fact, the fact that I think a company, an established, respected research company like Kantar, is producing that kind of work, is I find it astonishing. And one of the things that um, we have been work, we've been trying to work with Origin over the over the last few months, and, and look, you know, the, again, lots of the headlines are the broadcasters aren't aren't playing ball with Origin, but the reason we are. Where we are with Origin is that we're trying to just have a very thoughtful conversation mm. with them about making sure that measurement, which is so important to be measured correctly, is done fairly and accurately. And we are genuinely measuring apples with apples. At the moment, it's proposed that a two-second view on Meta is going to be compared with a completed view on TV. And look, our view is that that just isn't apples with apples. And I think if we can make some progress there and we can also have access to the data when it's published, because at the moment they're proposing that if we were part of Origin, we wouldn't get to see it. Those are kind of, you know, we've got a number of issues, but I think we are making progress on those. But those are the two that are, I hope that's not unre a re unreasonable position to be. But yeah. um, Brett, did you have any misconceptions that you yeah, sort of like to... Kelly's covered a few. I think, number, you know, I think you talk about it um, a little bit already, but um, probably two to add to that is sort of the demise of TV, which is the bit, some <laughs> of the articles that have come out recently. But if you look at the numbers, being a numbers guy, you know, number one, our reach is, you know, broadcaster TV has the highest reach the most viewing in a household. You know, there's a lot of chat about, you know, kids don't watch TV anymore, but, you know, um, we reach 7 million, you know, children a month with broadcast TV. Um, you know, if you look at the, the TV market uh, in 2022, I think it was 5.3 billion, which was equal to the, the, near, the next um, or the previous record, which was, I think, 2016. So it's not collapsing. Um, you know, it's still a strong market. And I, we talk a bit about innovation. You know, it's in the interests of the broadcasters to uh, continue to be more than just linear TV and continue to innovate. And I think the strength of the TV market is, is shown by that. I think the other thing as well, and, and you know, as I mentioned before, I've been in the role for about, a, for about a year, is I think TV, as an outsider coming in, you know, it's always generally probably seen as for those with big budgets and, their big, and big brands. But a lot of smaller businesses uh, are now finding the power of... Um, power of TV in, in driving their businesses and, and I can I won't steal Kelly's thunder but in a, in a recent uh, television release you gave, a, you gave a great example of a jewelry manufacturer who basically step changed their organization through stepping into TV advertising for the first time so you know it's not just for big businesses great and are there any untapped kind of um, areas or emerging trends within TV advertising that you think people aren't taking advantage of um well, look. I thought the I thought the, uh, the session Lindsay did on creativity was was yeah. was fascinating. I think creativity is the big opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, Mark Ritson wrote a piece I think the other day that talked about how you know you know understandably advertisers are, are, are kind of almost a lot of advertisers are looking at kind of the width of their campaigns initially, trying to get their creative to work across lots of different mediums. Whereas it seems like the, the advertisers that are really standing out are the ones who are are building length shall we say in their in their story arc in their in their storytelling like mcdonald's like you know cadbury's with their whole gifting proposition like you know yorkshire tea with their, their whole yorkshire campaign i think they're the ones that stand out and then building on that creativity thing i think again just in terms of untapped areas i think we are all we have been doing it for a while but i think it's really really starting to accelerate is we're all working with advertisers creatively whether that's 
integrating, as I said, brands into shows. You know, the brands that are are integrating into Love Island are then creating ads with that IP and, and that, sending that right across the ITV network, right across social, right across other TV channels. Um, and, you know, we're all working uh, at building either campaigns using our IP or program IP or our channel IP or actually just commissioning specifically for social. So I think that's an area, you know, ad-funded programming has been this, this area that you kind of hasn't really taken off. But again, I think that's a really untapped yeah. area. You know, Mark Spencer's has, has just finished series three of Cooking with the Stars. Three series. I don't, I don't remember an ad-funded mm. show that has done so much and it's really worked for MS as a brand. So I think that's an untapped area. Measurement, we've talked about, as I said, we are, we are all, I'd, I'd appeal, I just, just let, encourage advertisers to talk to us about measurement because we're building some really sophisticated, sophisticated tools uh, that can really help. You know, we had a big retailer, I can't actually say who they are, who was, oh, come on. who were talking to, I'm just, no, because the data was so, so powerful. Um, where this, the board wanted to come off TV, the CMO wanted to, wanted some help, and we created a geo experiment. You know, effectively a you know a regional test for the 21st century, and it just proved you know so clearly that TV works. And as Fritz said, not just that TV works, but it, it, it you know it reduced their CPAs. It, it you know their performance in the Google auction got better. So. It kept them on TV, and we're able to do that with lots. So I think that's untapped. I think people forget how flexible we are now since COVID. We are a very flexible medium. You can buy TV tonight on ITV, and you won't later. Now, well, actually, no. One o'clock is probably the cut, but you can buy it. You can buy it on ITVX now. You can buy that twenty-four-seven, but but even on linear, you can you can buy that very very late. It seems like there's quite a lot of collaboration happening in the sector I mean, on this stage. Is there any anything in particular that we've not discussed that you you're working on together? Well, I think it's it's largely in the areas actually that again Kelly and, and Brett have just touched on. So you know we collaborate very closely, obviously through the Sea Flight work that we're doing. So that yeah, obviously is in its um, kind of first phase of release, and there'll be more releases coming later this year. And actually, I think a really good marker of of success with a project like that is actually getting that set up. You know, obviously. Uh, Sky kind of obviously being the um, conceivers originally of that of that um, methodology and then us working together to really build it and power it forward and then it going forward to become a JIC-like piece, obviously, when it comes eventually under the governance of Barb. So those sorts of collaborations that then go to the benefit of the industry, I think, are, are really good. And there are sort of more um, sort of areas in development, again, through measurement that we're that we work together on. But importantly, equally, we still work together across creative ideas too. So there's a couple of examples at the moment where you know, we're working on creative execution of an idea that's actually come out of ITV. And I know that we've worked creatively on campaigns together recently with Sky as well. So there's a piece where if there's an advertiser that wants to do something bold and disruptive, and that actually is not straightforward advertising, then we are absolutely working together in those different ways as well. So again, in sort of broader industry pieces, you know, the broadcast community, you know, the three of us and our organizations are looking at, you know, sustainability and actually what the editorial um, and sort of broader piece should be in that area. And so there are lots of different places. And increasingly, we will talk to each other about opportunities wherever we can. Clearly, we don't talk about certain aspects. And <laughs> legally, we're not allowed to. Um, and rightly so, because actually, I think the last five years, and, and particularly since I came over from the agency side, I've really seen the inside of it. I think it's been a tremendous step forward. I mean, you know, we sit here, we are three separate businesses uh, with different business models, different ownership structures. We actually compete as well as collaborate. 
and we are working together on projects that put all of our data side by side and actually bring the best of what we can offer um, to advertisers. And I think if you think about your own businesses, you think about how difficult that might be to work with two of your closest competitors to do that. I think that's a really important sort of piece for people to take away. That it's it's a really amazing feat, I think. Do we have a question in the room? Yeah, we've got one down here. So Matt from Ogilvy. Firstly, thank you very much for, that was a really insightful um, discussion. I just had a question around uh, your individual broadcast brands. How important do you think those individual brands are as Channel 4, as Sky, as ITV, both in terms of attracting viewers for the consumer audience and also for advertisers, your B2B audience? Nice question. I think they're as important as as, as any brand. Um, uh, you know, for, for us, you know, the ITV brand is fundamental and to, to, to what we do. You know, what we're trying to do is evolve that brand. You know, we've, we've created sub-brands, you know, ITV2, ITVB to try and target a younger audience and ITVX is also trying to do that. But, but you know, we thought long and hard when we were launching ITVX about whether ITV should be in it. Uh, and it was a big debate internally, but I think, I think we felt that the long-term brand equity we built in that brand, that the, the trust in particular was just really important, that it was, that it was part of that. I think in an increasingly fragmented viewing space, the brands actually become more important because curation is still going to be a very important part of what viewers will be looking for. Because we've all had that experience even of sitting and working out which, which platform you're going to watch something on and what are you going to watch. And so increasingly, we'll also be looking at obviously, you know, distribution across that fragmented space. I mean, in Channel 4, from a Channel 4 perspective, you know, when we are putting stuff obviously onto Channel 4 streaming, that's one thing, but when it goes onto YouTube, it needs to be recognizably at least branded Channel 4. Otherwise, you just become another content provider. And you need to also have it as almost like literally the brand being the quality assurance marker that it was originally designed to be. And so when we're thinking about it as attracting younger audiences, it's important that in every part of our ecosystem, the brand appears and you know, consistently and actually with prominence. And that's in, indeed, in fact, why, in fact, we've gone the other way and we've said everything will be branded Channel 4 because then that way you've got a consistency. And all the research told us, by the way, that channel was an okay analog word to use <laughs> and that people would understand what it meant because we did have to worry about that. There was a lot of debate around whether you could call yourselves channel four in a modern yeah. multi-channel environment. And actually the research was resoundingly told us that people absolutely understood it for what it, what it, what it would be and what it would promise. The Sky, you know, our brand appears on every product. It's, 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 it's a powerful thing. Yeah. I, think, um, I think just about there's hardly anyone you can find now across the country when you hear the word Sky doesn't associate it with, with Sky TV, but we have Sky Broadband, Sky Mobile, Sky Protect we launched recently, which is insurance. The only thing we have kept um, not Sky is Now, and Kelly mentioned Now TV, which we just call Now, because um, we, we have sort of proven out that having a separate brand in market for TV does actually um, allow us to grow the TV base because it's a slightly different consumer with a different enough proposition that it doesn't sort of cannibalize. Mm -hmm. So it's, but it's, it's for us, it brands hugely important. We would never, we would never lose it. What shows or premium content have you got coming up that advertisers should watch out for? A plug, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, right. we're all here because we like good content. Yeah, I mean, so. look, I'll, I'll, I'll start then. I think obviously for us, a number of sort of call outs really is, and we, we haven't really sort of talked about it, but you know, we talk about what's going on with TV and decline of TV, et cetera, but live sport is smashing records. So um, I know on the entertainment space, people are sort of, you know, moving more to wanting to watch on their own terms, but live sport, 
always is just bringing like Premier League and, and Formula One are having record seasons year after year, which is great. So that is continuing um, with, with us. We've also got, a, a, I saw a clip of it recently at a, at a sort of Sky Media summer forum called The Tattooist of Outswitch, if oh, I pronounce it correctly. And it's, just, it's, off, it's based on a novel of the same name. It's a six ep show. It's got Harvey Keitel in it. It's um, a really powerful, really powerful drama. So it's sort of tissue box stuff. Um, and then on sort of more on the lighter side, you know, documentaries are doing quite well for us. Um, David Attenborough is doing a, a documentary around, it sort of uses cutting edge recording technology and it, it looks at how animals use sound mm-hmm. to sort of survive, find a mate, you know, birth, etc. So for those that love docs and David Attenborough, which I do, I think he's great. Wow, what yeah. a so that's, that's That's us. Wonderful. Thanks, Brett. So we've got a kind of a range of, of pretty, uh, I'd say, sort of Channel 4 type titles coming up. So we have Partygate. It'll be effectively the reconstruction of the Sue Gray file. Um, it looks absolutely amazing. And it will be played oh, exactly straight death, with exactly the transcript. Um, and John Coleshaw has just been announced playing the voice of Boris Johnson. So um, that will, I think, be a one-off special that will probably be worth watching. Um, later this autumn, we also have um, the new series Big Boys coming back, which has got some pretty extraordinary outtake clips available for viewing now as well. And the third thing for this autumn is the climate season that we're going to be doing and actually really looking at how actually viewers can learn about the issues, the big structural changes that need to happen in business and government. So it's a kind of a very different editorial take on climate, which I think will be really thought provoking. 2024, just my only other shameless plug, is a Paralympic year. Ah. So for us, it is a very important year next year. And our commitment as before, um, as we did in the last Paralympics, is to have the biggest ever um, sort of proportion of the crew actually offering opportunities for you know people with disabilities both behind the camera obviously as well as in front of the camera so it'll be a really really important milestone for us uh, in the summer of next year I'm looking forward to the ad hey yeah kelly um well I, I, I agree with brett sports sport seems to be getting more and more uh, important in terms of live audiences so the next 12 months there's there's kind of a, a calendar of of i guess free-to-air sport in that you know we we just kicked off the rugby world cup which will run for the next six seven weeks yeah ages my yeah, well, it takes like, a while to finish all the other. It takes a while to get over a match. <laughs> it? It was good. We watched a few of the games; they were good. Yeah, um, but that's six, seven, six, we've got six seven weeks of the Rugby World Cup. Uh, then the FA Cup kicks off at the end of this year, which we've got running through till May. Then you've got the Six Nations uh, Q1, and then the big one for us next year is the European Championships next summer. So that's that's a kind of I guess a, uh, the spine of of of, of live sport. Um, but in terms of other stuff, we've got Big Brother launching uh, at the beginning of October, and there'll be a celebrity version in Q1. The new series on Celebrity coming from Australia later, later on this year. We've got a, we've got a ton of drama that's kicking off this autumn. I'm not going to reel them all off because you've never heard of them, but there's some really, really good quality drama uh, right across the next year. So, uh, and look, and we just we just signed Prince William has agreed, and he, not, he normally does this with the BBC, but Prince William is is doing a documentary series where he's going to go and sleep on the streets uh, and show what it's like to you know, be homeless in London. So okay. I think it'll be interesting. Fantastic. Well, lots of breath there for, from all three of you, which is unsurprising, obviously. Well, thank you so much for your time to the panel. Thank Thanks for thank you. being a great audience.
That's all we have time for. If you'd like to learn more about what we've been discussing, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of our subscriptions are available at campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. If you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like us, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. A big thank you to Haymarket producer Till Owen and producer Aidan Lyons from Rethink Audio. And also for you for listening. I hope you join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye.